Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. Our speaker today is Pastor Jonathan Panado. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, and we'll be reading from verses 1 through 8. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about people. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about people, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out. With all her begging. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and that they get it quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Our sermon this morning is entitled, The Faith of Widows. Let us pray once again. Father, we ask for the enlightenment of your Holy Spirit. As we read and consider and ponder the words of Jesus in this parable. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. There are striking similarities with this parable of Jesus and a passage from the apocryphal book of Ben Sirah. What is the Apocrypha? If you're not familiar with what the Apocrypha is, the Apocrypha are a set of Jewish writings considered by most Protestant Christians to be non-canonical or non-inspired. There are a few uh, faith groups who do believe that these books are inspired, uh, primarily the Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, even the Anglican Church considers them to be canonical. And if you pick up a Catholic translation of the Bible, such as the New Jerusalem Bible, you will find the books of the Apocrypha in their Bible. Books such as Esdras, Tobit, Judith, 1st and 2nd Maccabees, the Book of Wisdom of Solomon, the Book of Baruch, and even books which we consider to be canonical, such as the Book of Daniel, contains extra chapters. In the apocryphal writings, there is Daniel chapter 13 that shares a story of Susanna. And there's also Daniel chapter 14 that shares the story of Bell and the dragon. 
There's also extra material in the book of Esther. Now, these books aren't evil per se. Uh, There are a few problems with it, as you probably heard the story of a dragon uh, in the Bible. That causes some problems there. But, and these books, the apocryphal books, also tend to be a bit nationalistic in tone. They are, after all, Jewish writings of the intertestamental period. But they're considered historical writings, uh, giving us an insight into the mindset of Jesus' audience. You see, Jesus and his audience were familiar with these writings. And so what I've actually done is, if you pull out your bulletin, I've actually inserted a passage from the apocryphal book of Ben-Zirah, and we're going to read this here together. It's, um, if you open your bulletins, it's in, the, in that first page there. A passage from the book of Ben-Zirah, the apocryphal book of Ben-Zirah, and we're going to read it together, and as I read it, I want you to notice the similarities and also the differences between this apocryphal passage and the parable of Jesus that we just read in Luke chapter 18. Consider the similarities and the differences here as we read. God will not ignore the orphan's supplication nor the widow when she pours out her complaint. Do the widow's tears not run down her cheeks as she cries out against the man who is the cause of them? He whose service is pleasing to the Lord will be accepted. His prayer will reach to the clouds. The prayer of the humble pierces the clouds and he will not be consoled until it reaches the Lord. Neither will he desist until the Most High takes notice of him and acquits the righteous and executes justice. For the Lord will not delay, neither will he be patient with them until he has crushed the loins of the merciless and exacted vengeance on the Gentiles. Ben Zira, chapter 35, verses 14 through 20. Now, what were some of the similarities that you noticed between this passage and the parable of Jesus? Both passages speak of supplication and of prayer. Both passages also speak about the widow crying out against an adversary. In this passage here, it says, uh, as she cries out against the man who is the cause of her tears. Uh, both passages speak of a judge. In the passage of ben the judge is? The judge is God, the Lord. In the parable of Jesus, who is the judge? A man. A man is a judge in the parable of Jesus. A man who is very unlike God. Both passages speak about persistence in prayer. Did you get that? The prayer of the righteous pierces the clouds. He will not desist until it reaches the Lord. Both passages speak of persistence in prayer, but a difference is faith is absent from the passage of Ben-Zirah, whereas faith is a key point highlighted by Jesus. Here are some more differences between this passage and the passage of of Jesus. 
Ben Zira's passage does mention a widow, but it just mentions a widow in passing. The very next section, the individual whose prayer pierces a Lord, is it a man or is it a woman? It's a man. He whose, he whose prayer. It's a man. And so Benzira mentions a widow, but moves quickly past the widow to a man. But in Jesus' parable, the widow is front and center. Another difference here that we find between these two passages is that in the passage of Benzira, good works are rewarded. In the parable of Jesus, there is no mention of good works done by the woman to earn her her right to a hearing. And then perhaps the, the greatest difference is that the passage of Benzira ends with a terrible call for vengeance on the Gentiles. Now, there were quite a polite and decent society back in those days. And so they clothed, they clothed the prayer for vengeance in a euphemistic term. May he crush the loins of the merciless. They were quite decent. I'll allow your imagination to consider what that is. But Jesus does not end his parable with a call for vengeance but rather with the hope that he might find faith at the end of all things. You see, Jesus' concern is not about vengeance, but about faith. It appears that Jesus was undoubtedly familiar with this passage from Benzira and aware of its influence upon his audience. Now, just let's summarize again the influence of Benzira. Benzira's passage promotes male primacy in all things, including religion, prayer, and spirituality. We know that because he only mentions the widow in passing. The one who truly is persistent in prayer is the man. Benzira promotes male primacy in matters of religion, spirituality, and prayer. Benzira emphasizes God as a judge, as a judge. Now, Jesus told us that when we approach God in prayer, how should we approach him? As father. Benzira emphasizes works without faith. And Benzira's passage encourages vengeance on everyone else who isn't part of our club. What does that sound like? A male-dominant religion, a focus on God as judge, a focus on works uh, absent of faith, um, a focus on vengeance on everyone who isn't us. What kind of religion does that sound like? It sounds like the religion in Jesus' day. It sounds like a group of Pharisees. It appears that Jesus was undoubtedly familiar with this passage from Benzira and aware of its influence upon the people. But in drawing from this source material of Benzira and using images and metaphors that are familiar to his audience, Jesus will draw a new picture of who women are, their role in matters of faith and prayer, of who God is and the relationship between faith and prayer and the end of the world. How does that sound? 
And so let's begin in our passage here, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And this parable is perhaps one of the, uh, the most probably dismal or darkest or hopeless parables that Jesus shares in his ministry. Who is the first character in our parable here? Who is the first individual introduced in this parable? A judge. A judge. And is this a good judge or is this a bad judge? He is a corrupt judge. He is a bad judge. In fact, the Bible describes him with two characteristics. It says he doesn't fear God, nor does he care about people or what people think. Now, those two characteristics, fearing God and caring about people, those were the two main ways that someone would appeal to help for someone back in the Middle East in those days. You would appeal to God. You would appeal to the individual's connection with God, their sensitivity to God, their sensitivity to understand what God would have them do. For God's sakes, help this person. We appeal to their spiritual side. Several years ago, do you remember there was an acronym, WWJD? What would Jesus do? Does anybody remember that? WWJD. And what that was, that was an appeal to us to, to help us understand what is it that Jesus is requiring of us. What would Jesus do in that circumstance? And then what would he have us do? An appealing to God. But for this judge, you appeal to God? Doesn't matter. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about God. The second way you would appeal for help in the Middle East is that you would appeal to your own situation and to your own need. We do that today. When we see someone in need... We, we recognize that situation and we hope that as we share that situation and that need with others, that sympathy arises in our heart and it moves us to compassion to do something for that person. Because we can understand we were there at one point as well. But for this judge, appealing to human sympathy doesn't make, doesn't make a difference because he doesn't care about people. So what Jesus is doing here is he's telling us from the very first verse that whatever comes after this, whatever petition comes after this, it is hopeless and it is futile to ask this judge for help because he doesn't care about God and he doesn't care about people. Futile, hopeless, and dismal. To make matters worse, who is the second character introduced in this parable? A widow. A widow is the second person introduced in this character. Immediately, when you think of a widow, women are widows because they have lost their spouse. They have lost their husband. So when you think of a widow, you you can already start understanding somewhat the loss that she has experienced, the pain that she has experienced, the sorrow that she has experienced, this widow. And then Jesus introduces a third character, And who is that third character in this parable? An adversary. An adversary. And so you have a judge who doesn't care about people, doesn't care about God. You have a widow, a symbol of loss and of grieving and of sorrow and of pain. And now you also have an adversary. And literally in the Greek, the word adversary is the word anti-diku. Anti is a prefix um, that we use even today. Antiseptics or um, antibiotics or antifreeze. 
Um, it, it means, and in the Bible, it's also where we get the word anti-Christ from as well. That prefix anti means against or in the place of. Anti-diku. Diku is the Greek word for justice. And so this adversary quite literally is against justice. Or has committed some type of injustice against this widow. And it leads us to two possibilities. Either this adversary is the one who is responsible for this widow being a widow. And therefore she is calling out for justice against this adversary. Or this adversary could also potentially now that she is a widow try to be taking advantage of her. Taking her home away or taking her money away. There was a story in the Old Testament of Elisha and there was a widow. And when her husband died, creditors were coming and they were trying to take her sons away for slavery. So in this parable, in this dark, hopeless and futile parable, you have a corrupt judge who doesn't care about God, doesn't care about people. You have a widow, a symbol of sorrow and of pain and of loss. And you have this adversary. And then on top of everything else, this widow goes to the judge asking for justice. And does a judge grant her justice? Day after day, he denies her justice. Week after week, he denies her justice. Month after month, he denies her justice. Year after year, he denies her justice. Jesus couldn't have drawn a more dismal, hopeless, and futile picture for us. Can you see it? There is absolutely no hope here. And yet there is. And yet there is. This widow has one redeeming quality. There is one bright light in this parable, and that is that this widow is persistent. This widow is determined. This widow is courageous. Though denied justice day after day, month after month, year after year, her perseverance finally pays off. And it doesn't matter that the judge is just frustrated with her and and wants her to stop annoying him. It doesn't matter what the reason is. She gets justice because she perseveres. You see, my friends, Jesus is trying to tell us here that women are not weak. Women are not weak. Rather, women are strong. Women are courageous. Women are dauntless. Women are fearless. Women are unflinching. Jesus, my friends, is redrawing and reimagining in our minds and in the minds of his audience what a woman truly is. This widow despite her circumstances, is not a victim. She refuses to be a victim. She will not be a victim. She will not allow circumstances to master her, but rather she masters her circumstances. It is no accident, my friends, that as the cross approached, the role of Jesus' women disciples became more prominent. While the courage of the disciples waned in the face of the cross, the courage of the women waxed. 
It is no accident that it was the women disciples who followed Jesus to the cross, while the men were nowhere to be found. That's right, they ran. They ran like cowards. It is not by accident that the women disciples followed Jesus to the cross while the men were nowhere to be seen. It was the women who had the courage to follow Joseph of Arimathea as he made his way to Pilate to request the body. And it was the women who went on to the tomb. On Saturday evening, it was the women who ventured out to buy spices to anoint the body of Jesus. And on Sunday morning, on Sunday morning, it was the women who were the first to make their way to the tomb. It was the women who were the first ones to hear the words of the angels. It was the women who first met the resurrected Christ and take the good news to the disciples, to the absent disciples. You see, my friends, Jesus is telling us that women are strong. Women are courageous. Women are dauntless. Women are faithful. And in like manner in this parable, the hero of this parable is not a man, like in the book of Benzerah. The one who is persistent in this parable is not a man, but is a woman, a widow, a virtuous woman, characterized by perseverance and courage. You see, when Jesus decided to teach his disciples about prayer, faith, and persistence, he used a woman. He used a widow. And so Jesus, in his commentary on this parable in verse 6, Jesus begins to contrast this judge to God. And Jesus tells us in verse 6, listen to what the unjust judge says, verse 7. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? The God whom we serve, whom we approach in prayer, is not like this corrupt judge who wants nothing to do with us. In prayer, Jesus tells us that believers are in the presence of a loving father who cares for his children. Now, at the end of verse 7, though, the end of verse 7 presents a problem for us, a problem of translation. At the end of verse 7, there's that phrase, some translations translate it differently. My translation says, will he keep putting them off? Other translations translate it, will he bear long with them? Do you see that there at the end of verse 7? This phrase here, this last question, presents a difficulty of translation. Translators aren't sure quite what the best translation is, and that's why in various translations you have different translations. But they essentially come down to do two different translations. Should we translate it, will he keep putting them off? Or will he delay in helping them? Or should it be translated as he bears long with them? Or he beareth long with them, as the King James Version says. Which is the best translation? Perhaps the ambiguity is purposeful. Perhaps the one translation leads to the other. And so let's explore this a little bit. If we take this phrase to mean, will he delay to help them, or will he keep putting them off, it raises another question. Why? Why does God delay to grant us justice? 
Why does God delay to grant us justice? If you're living in this world, I can guarantee you that at one point or another, you will be the recipient of injustice. If you live in this world, sooner or later, you will be the recipient of injustice. That injustice can happen at work, your employer, your fellow colleagues. That injustice can take place at school by your teachers or by your fellow classmates. That injustice, Lord have mercy, say it isn't so, that injustice could even happen at church. Say it isn't so. That injustice could take place among your own family, by your spouse, by your father, by your mother, by your children, by uncles or aunts. Injustice can take place from your friends. They can betray you. Injustice can even take place by strangers. I mean, the ways and means that injustice can come to us in this world are innumerable. And if you are living in this world, you will experience injustice at one time or another. Can I get a witness? How many of you have experienced injustice? Injustice, unfortunately, is a, re- is, is, a, is a reality of this world. But the question then is, God, why do you delay in justifying us, in granting us justice? Will he keep putting us off? And, you know, and sometimes it's not even a matter of justice. Sometimes it's simply asking God for good things or for right things. And it seems that God delays. We ask him for a job. And we are diligent in searching for a job. And months and months pass by and nothing. And that's that we've been faithful to him in tithes and offerings and still nothing. God, why do you delay Sometimes it's not even a matter of justice, but simply asking God for good or right things. Sometimes we ask for healing. And it seems that nothing happens. Sometimes we ask for healing and nothing happens. And that illness leads to job loss. And that illness leads to a loss of income. And that illness leads to to the loss of everything that we own. And sometimes that illness even leads to death. And the question is, God, why didn't you heal me? Why did you delay? Why did you put me off? Why didn't you help me? Sometimes we ask for clarity when there is only darkness around us. Sometimes we have even placed a Gideon's fleece before the Lord. And we have felt that God has answered that prayer and we move forward. Only to find out months later when it is too late that we were better off before God what's going on why do you delay to help us are you putting us off sometimes we pray for protection and then we're involved in an accident God where were you where were your guardian angels God why do you delay we ask God for happiness and joy and there seems to only be bitterness trial and heartache in our life and the question is God why One of the most effective means of destroying faith is experiencing injustice that is never resolved. One of those most effective means of destroying faith is experiencing injustice that is never resolved. 
After World War II, Europe saw a sharp decline in church attendance. Can you imagine why? After World War II, Europe saw a sharp decline in church attendance. Can you imagine why? We're blessed here. Me and you have never experienced a war here. We have not had to have our, flee from our home because our home was bombed. We have not had to run away from people who are shooting at us. We have not had to face uh, the ethnic cleansing that took place during the Holocaust. You see, there is nothing that can destroy faith more than injustice that is never resolved. Can you imagine the lingering effects and the atrocity of war? And the question comes back is, God, why do you allow this injustice to take place? Why didn't you answer my prayer? Turn into your Bibles to Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9. Will he keep putting them off forever? Jesus, he doesn't answer the question about why God delays. Jesus doesn't answer that question. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9. When I, he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. Individuals who had been slaughtered because they believed in Jesus. Talk about injustice. And I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain and slaughtered because of the word of God in verse 10. And they are crying out to God in a loud voice. And what are they crying out? How long, Lord, sovereign and true and and, and holy until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and you avenge our blood and grant us justice. And God doesn't answer their question how long. He just gives them white robes and he says, rest a little while, rest a little while. Jesus doesn't answer the question as to why God delays. He simply tells us that sometimes in life there will be a delay. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12. Here in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12, we are, this is the prophecy of, of the mark of the beast. And, and this is what we are waiting for. This is the next event that needs to take place in this earth's history. And, and in the middle of this prophecy of the mark of the beast, a prophecy which is a reference to this country, this land that has been characterized as a land of freedom and liberty. I can't imagine it. I don't know how it's going to happen. But this prophecy is a reference to this country, a land of freedom and liberty, a country that one day will become oppressive. One day it will cause gross injustice. It will deny the rights of individuals. Our rights will be violated. We will be coerced to worship this beast and its image. And if we choose not to, then we will be killed. And there will be no one who, to whom we will be able to appeal to except to God. 
There will be no justice for us. And even he, even God for a time, will appear to ignore us and put us off. And hence the time of trouble, the time of Jacob's trouble. Why does God delay in granting us justice? Jesus doesn't answer that question for us. But what he does tell us in verse 12 of Revelation chapter 14 is this calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and have the faith of Jesus or remain faithful to Jesus. The call for Jesus is in delay, in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of injustice. Jesus is calling us to have perseverance and to have patience in our faith. Can we trust that despite the injustice around us, God is still love? And he has our best interest in mind. Can we still trust as this widow did in a scenario of hopelessness, in a scenario of futility, this widow of Luke chapter 18 continued to persevere. She was undaunted. You see, Jesus is telling us that women are strong. Women are courageous. Women are dauntless. Women are faithful. And men, we can too. We can too. But this parable ends here. Turn back to Luke chapter 18. This parable ends on a question. Luke chapter 18. In verse 8, Jesus says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and get it quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, the way that question is phrased in the Greek, it expects a negative answer. In other words, as Jesus says this, will he find faith on the earth? The answer that he is expecting is no. He expects a negative answer. Similar to when we ask somebody, you're not going to do that, are you? Right? Well, what do we expect them to say? No, we're not going to do that. You know? If they say, yes, we're going to do that, then, then we're scandalized. No? But Jesus is asking this question, expecting a negative answer. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The very wistfulness of this final question, will he find faith on the earth? It makes it clear that even though Jesus calls us to faith and calls us to perseverance and calls us to patience and persistence, Jesus is also realistic about the frailties of those he has chosen. When I think about those in the Bible, I can probably only think of a handful who truly were faithful to God. Even if we just take the example of the disciples, The disciples were not great men of faith. Maybe they ended up becoming great men of faith years and years down the road. But as long as Jesus was here, they were not great men of faith. In fact, a few hours before the cross, Jesus prayed and he told Peter, Peter, I have prayed that your faith fail not, but but you will deny me three times. The very wistfulness of this final question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith, makes it clear that Jesus is realistic about the frailties of those he has chosen, you and me. 
He knows that our faith may fail. He knows that our faith is not always perfect. Even though we are the chosen ones, we are the elect, we are not sinless. Our faith is not always strong. Being the elect does not automatically protect us from failure. But here's where that second possibility for translation comes in. And yet still, in spite of our frailties, he bears long with us. Literally, in the Greek it reads, he pushes anger far away from him. When dealing with us, when dealing with his chosen ones, God is patient towards us. He bears long with us. He is long-suffering to us. He is faithful to us. Even when our faith fails. And so in this parable, the widow, rather than being a symbol of pain and of sorrow and of loss, Jesus uses this widow redrawing for us and reimagining in us. This widow becomes a symbol of strength for us. A symbol of hope, a symbol of perseverance, a symbol of faith under injustice and under hopelessness and under futility. This widow still believes. And God's love for us is so great that our vindication is assured in spite of our failures. So then why, my friends, do we so easily give up praying? Why do we not want to pray? Why has it been days since we last prayed? How come it's been weeks since we last had a quiet moment with God? Where do you find yourself this morning? Do you find yourself in a hopeless situation? Do you find yourself in despair? Do you find yourself in the middle of gross injustice? Jesus is calling you this morning. To persevere. Persevere in faith. Persevere in prayer. Because God is faithful. And he will bring justice to us. This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. Connect with them at www.jaxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.